Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Joining us on the show right now, University of Miami wide receivers coach Rob Likens. And coach, great to have you as we close in on spring football. And what's it been like for you since the end of the regular season getting ready for the for spring football? Oh, man, uh, it's just been just a time of excitement for me and, and for everybody in the program. Um, whenever you have so many people on the team decide that they want to come back, which means they decide that they that they enjoyed this whole situation. They enjoyed getting coached by you. Um, they enjoyed being around their teammates. They enjoyed this football program, the leadership of Coach Diaz. I, that, that's exciting because people can choose to opt out if they want. And uh, we had so many guys choose to come back, and I think that just brought a bunch of excitement around the program. I have been a champion for years of the holdovers. And I think one of the biggest problems the University of Miami has had in advancing their program has been the lack of senior leadership, the lack of physicality uh, that you get, all the benefits you get from older players. And now uh, I think you're going to see that this year. I'm sure that's one of the reasons why there's uh, a lot of optimism. Yes, absolutely. You know, and it, it really started out with the leaders of our team. You know, when Derek uh, said that he was coming back, uh, guys like Bubba Bolden, Jared Williams, uh, Mike Harley, uh, and I know I'm, I'm leaving some people out, but uh, but yes, that that's where it all started. And collectively, I think these guys got together, talked about that very same thing, Joe. Like in the past, a lot of guys have left early, and and uh, but let, let's see what it's going to look like when they all stay. I try to tell these uh, these guys, you know, the great players before you, you guys are you maybe you're putting in four years. The great players before you even put in five years because most of those guys were redshirted. So what made the University of Miami special is when one team left, there was always another team waiting. Those guys were just practicing and waiting their turn. And perhaps that will be the benefit of some of the younger players on the roster. Yes, that's ex- that, yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know, I think what you're going to see in in the landscape of college football with the the portal and 
the transfer rule and all of that stuff is, you know, you're going to see uh, teams that maybe people have never heard of or not heard of, but have never been in the conversations of winning championships. I, I think they're going to have sh- a shot. You know, you, everybody's going to have a chance be, uh, because of all of the movement and all of the things that are going on and the inconsistencies that will be going on on teams. Uh, Mike Harley is one of those guys coming back into your room. Why did Harley make a jump last year, and what are your expectations for him this year? Uh, you know, my expectations is for him to have a, 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 a big year, a really big year. Um, I think, you know, there's two things. One, unfinished business. Uh, you know, there's two things that college football players want. They want to win, and then they want to be developed to play at the next level. And, you know, I think that college football coaches need to embrace both of those things. And so, you know, I think that in his mind that that Miami, the bad taste in our mouth, you know, losing that bowl game, and there was some unfinished business on the table uh, that we want to do. And then also um, I'm sure, you know, that, that Mike felt like another year and maybe having a good year, obviously, you know, is going to help his future uh to, to be looked at in the NFL. You know, this is uh, my own personal opinion when it comes to catching a ball, whether it's a baseball or a football, it is good hands with good mind. And I think those that are great receivers of a ball are gifted with hands, number one. But number two, you have to have confidence. And I look at, you have two receivers that can be really, really good, Pope and Wiggins. What will get them over the top? Is it uh, better hands or better mind? Yes, you know, uh, no, both of them, they, they have they have good hands. They got good enough hands for sure uh, to be playing uh, Division One, Power Five college football, and, and at the University of Miami. It, what it is is like these guys were—they're inexperienced, even though they played in some games. It's just like anything else that you attempt, you know, in this world. Uh, the more you do it, all right, the more you have confidence, and with that confidence, just like you stated. Um, that it, it should be a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, though, when maybe something negative happens, you cannot allow the snowball effect to go in the other direction. And I believe you have to have a plan for that. Um, you need to have the understanding that all human beings are not perfect. You are going to make a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. It's how you handle those mistakes and how you, you the, the ability to forget, uh, the, the ability to learn from the mistake, I think has a lot to do with it. And, and then also the, the confidence piece that I just mm-hmm. talked about. Rob Likens, University of Miami wide receivers coach, is our guest. You have a bunch of young receivers, guys that were on the roster, guys that were recruited. How do you separate them all going into, well, I guess it'll be going into fall camp, but you're going to have a bunch of guys to work with. Yes, I'm, I'm excited. You know, in fall camp, we'll have the addition of the three freshmen that we signed. Um, and we'll have, we, we can't forget that none of these guys went through a full spring last year, right? Right. Oh, when we showed up for fall practice last year, these guys were still in the mode of, you know, um, yeah, they, they had a chance to, like, learn the offense on a piece 
piece of paper, but not actually running the plays full speed with the coaches out on the field and under pressure and adversity. Uh, now that we've got a year under our belt, I have a, uh, uh, I, I just think that we're, it's going to be a whole different feel of, we'll have a, a, a whole nother level of confidence. Um, and so will all the young guys because, you know, our four uh, freshmen that we signed last year came in early uh, last year. Uh, so their biggest um, deal that they, they ha- got a chance to do is to go through our weight room for a year. And as you know, Joe, man, there's not very many freshmen coming out of high school that are physically prepared to take on a full season of Power 5 collegiate football. And so so now these guys had a year under their belt. So I, I have high expectations for all of the freshmen. Um, and, no, we're not going to take our uh, foot off the gas on coaching those guys with high expectations and passionate about that. And I think they understand those, and I think they want that, and I think they're excited about it. I also think it's important to note that if you're going to run this offense that you guys have, one that consists of on a great day of, I don't know, 85, 90 plays, you need a lot of wide receivers. So absolutely. You need to be playing. You know, you're going to play if, if we're in 11 personnel per se, and we're just talking about the receiver position, and 11 personnel is when you have three receivers out on the field most of the time. you got to play six. Last year, I was not comfortable playing six guys. I just didn't feel like a guy we put out onto the field was, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable. I do now. I feel like we're going to be able to find six guys that can go out there and win uh, for the University of Miami. As you go into spring, you're not going to have your quarterback, De'Ara King. So I guess two-edged sword here, right? Um, You don't have the quarterback to work with the young receivers. However, you have young quarterbacks that are going to get a lot of reps in in this offense. Oh, yes. And and that's huge because, you know, De'Ara's going to be gone after this year and you know, somebody else is going to be playing quarterback for us. Uh, and so when those guys, this process, we're a year ahead of that process, if you think about it. Um, so what would have happened next spring uh, is going to happen this spring for those young quarterbacks. And so that's a huge positive for them. Now, what we're going to have to do is play catch up in the spring. I'm sorry, in the summer when these guys are out coaching themselves and you know as the coaches are not allowed to be there the player led um practices captain led practices that they're really going to have to hit it and get it this summer we mentioned this the last time you were on the show but uh each of you guys each of the guys your coaching staff in that offensive room for the most part you guys have all been offensive coordinators uh how important is that and what are those brainstorming sessions like and again how much of an impact or how important is that today because defenses are going to throw everything they can at you in order to slow down spread offenses so you got a lot of creativity going on in the offensive room also the opportunity I would imagine sharing ideas and also trying to sort out a defense in order to get to the answers yes you know and to answer your first part of the question um you know, that, that's why I just want to say how much I appreciate um, and how um, of a non-ego that Rhett Lashley has. If you think about it, to sit in a room 
with two other guys that have been offensive coordinator. There's a lot of guys out there in the country that don't like that. They don't want that uh, because they're insecure. And uh, Coach Lashley is not like that at all. Um, and so, like, my hat is off to him. Uh, I think it's a huge positive because I know what an offensive coordinator goes through. I know the pressures of game week. I know the pressures of game day. So I'm able to, without any ego at all, uh, to my job is to serve him in any capacity so that he can do the best possible job that he can do on a Saturday calling plays. And Garen, uh, our offensive line coach, Garen Justice, has the same mindset so that we're better able to serve him more than a, than a coach that has never been a coordinator. It, you understand, you just understand everything that you got to go through. So, I, you know, that that's why I think it's like, I, I think it's so important um, Two, you know, like you said, yes, uh, three people that have gone through um, having successes, but then also having failures where you learn from your failure. Hey, man, I got my butt kicked versus this defense before. I've seen this. Uh, th- this isn't going to work. Or, hey, man, I've seen what does work against that defense. And to, to have all those ideas flying around the room, I think, is a, is a big positive. College football is an offensive-minded game right now. As you guys go into the second year of this offense, do you add to it? Do you fine-tune it? And what are realistic expectations? Yeah, man, that's a great question, Joe, because that's the final – that's the the, the fine line, the million-dollar question. Uh, Where is that point where you're doing too much? And where is that point, though, that you have to – like you've got to stay ahead of the game and be creative? But we always got to understand, and this is, you know, kind of goes on top of your last question about, you know, there's been three coordinators in there who may have screwed this up at one point in time of putting too much in because we only have a certain amount of time with these kids. And so we always got to understand it's not what I know. It's what can I get this kid to know in two hours? Because that's all we got a day with him, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's where a lot of coaches make mistakes. Yeah, you could run an NFL offense. That's great. But run an NFL offense and you only got two hours to pour all of that into a kid uh, who also has to go to school. He's got all kinds of other things going on in his life. So, you know, that's going to be the point. We're going to push the envelope. We're going to push and try to find where that line is. And we're going to err a little bit more on trying to put some some in and then we'll draw it back to when we find out where that line is. And, you know, that's that's where, uh, I, like I said, you know, all of uh, us three guys being together and experience is going to pay off. Along those lines, before I let you go, a lot of the concepts that you guys run is what they're running in high school football in South Florida. How important is that? because there's a connection there, and then maybe almost like a feeder system. But kids here are running a lot of the stuff that you're running at the University of Miami. How important is that? Uh, that, that is huge. Uh, you just set me up, man, with a, like a, just an easy shot to hit over center field fence right here. Back a long time ago when I first met Hal Mummy, who was pretty much the godfather of the air raid, that was the sole purpose of that. Because he said, Rob, let me tell you something. How many times does a kid 
pick a football up growing up and then he throws it to another kid and that kid catches it. And I go, well, about a million. He goes, well, how many times does a kid run an ISO and go and cut another kid and you, and you just sit there and smash heads together? Uh, the only time you do that is when you play football. Yeah. He goes, yes. So uh, if you're doing what these kids are doing their whole life where they're catching the ball and they're throwing it and they're running routes and all that stuff, you know, don't you think you might be able to be a little bit more successful doing things that they're already doing? And so to, to answer your question, we got these kids running these offenses. So when they come to us, they already know what Y cross means. They already know what stick right means and all of that stuff. And now, now all we got to do really is just kind of teach them how to, to do the detail of their assignment at an extremely high level under pressure. Well, this has been a, a lot of fun talking with you, Coach. Spring football knocking on the door. Uh, University of Miami wide receivers coach Rob Likens has been our guest. Coach, thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it, man. Always a fun time. All right, that's University of Miami wide receivers coach Rob Likens. And that offense has to be in perfect harmony to operate at a high level. And if you are looking for perfect harmony, a harmonious situation when you're behind the wheel, may I suggest Williamson Cadillac and a Cadillac. You will not find more harmony than driving a Cadillac. You can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award-winning lineup. If you are looking for a family automobile with a little bit of luxury involved, May I recommend the unmistakable XT crossovers, the XT4, the XT5, the XT6, plenty of room for families. I'm driving the XT4. It is a blast. It is harmonious. Or you can excite your senses in Williamson's CT sedan series dedicated to performance or or ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Now, you want perfect harmony? The Cadillac Escalade. It's the fifth generation of the Cadillac Escalade. Ed Williamson has been a part of this community for 52 years, and he's been serving this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. And as this community changes... Ed Williamson makes those adjustments as well. You can view their entire lineup. It's online at williamsoncadillac.com or visit their state-of-the-art facility, easily located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway. You want harmony? Williamson Cadillac. Your premier luxury dealership, Williamson is Miami. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. All right, joining us on the show right now, University of Miami women's basketball coach Katie Meyer. The Hurricanes will go into the ACC tournament writing a three-game winning streak. And, uh, Coach, congratulations on the win over Clemson. Nice way to end the regular season, 68-62 with a nice road victory at Clemson. An impressive uh, an impressive fourth quarter. You know, just really, in the games we've won this year, we have executed down the stretch and just hit some really important shots. So, And it was everyone yesterday. It was great. Huge win for us. 
you're going to play Virginia Tech at the ACC tournament. We'll get to that in just a moment. How proud are you of your team, not only with the way they beat Clemson, but also grinding out these last three wins, averaging 71 points a game, shooting 47% from the field? We have 10 game goals that we try to hit before every game, and then after the game, we review the goals. And uh, when we when we're winning, you know, we're getting five or six of them. You know, 10, of course, you're going to win, but but the game goals that we've been hitting consistently on this win streak are is our field goal percentage, our three-point percentage, and then one of our goals is getting three stops in a row, three defensive stops in a row, seven times during a game. And those last three wins, we've hit those three things. Um, uh, and then two out of three is we want to make more free throws than the other team attempts, which means we were the more aggressive team. And so those of those goals, when we hit those numbers, you know, we've been winning and, and we've done that the last three games. So uh, defensive stops and then coming down and like hitting the big shot early in the season, we would get the stops and we just we'd have the big shot and we take it and we didn't make it. So it's not much has changed except that there's a little bit more dialed in and focus. Uh, can I throw two others in there? Effort and intensity late in the season. Yeah, I'd be thrilled by that. Right. You're late in the year. Your team has had to go through an incredible amount of obstacles, and here they are down the stretch fighting uh, in a tenacious manner. And that's what my message to the team was before film today was just very simply just a, a message of gratitude. Like, I'm not, it's not over yet. I'm not wrapping up. But I do want you ladies to know that um, there were a thousand reasons why, you know, even looking at that four games in seven days stretch that we got handed in late February, which that doesn't happen. And, to come through that um, and to bounce from that and use that to catapult you. It was easy to say, wow, this is just too hard. You know, we're done. We've got injuries. We have people. You know, we've had a lot of adversity. But I think we just kept saying, but what do we have? You know, we're, we're, you know what is our next opportunity? And we started changing the, the thoughts that were in our head. And really, you know, somebody like Sidney Roby and, and, and Carla Arievitz, I mean, that – they were so MJ City Baba, who we missed some games with the contact tracing, and you know we just it's been so inconsistent. And to have like, okay, well, what do we have today, right now? And we're going to be where our feet are, and right now we're here with another opportunity in front of us. And just to be so grateful for that, because it really did matter what you were filling your head with and what you were filling your heart with, what kind of thoughts and what kind of feelings. Um, because you know you could be right, you could complain and be right, um, but I'd rather be positive and be right, you know. What kind of mental toughness do you think this is required? Because right when you, as you said, right when you think, okay, we're giving enough, you got to give a little bit more. And you might think you're giving enough, but nope, we got to raise that bar just a little bit more. And I think it's really hard to, to, to dare, you know, and to, to take a leap when you can't see the horizon and you don't know what's on the other side. And, and um, you know, it's really, really hard. It was really hard this year to, to say, I want this, you know, to say it out loud because – you could say, God, I really want to play 20 games, a 20-game season. But there was no one, I asked my team that, and no one, everyone, I said, who have you thought we would play twenty, even a 20-game season? And everyone said, no, we all, we didn't think. I was like, so that was really hard to invest or to plan or to whatever because you just didn't know. And so, you know, I said, now, guys, like, that that's amazing and congratulations but when we had clarity and we kind of knew okay here's the routine this is what happens this is what we got to go through um they kind of got their feet under them again and they dared to love basketball and that's that's that seems simple but that's a big deal you don't want to love something that can be taken from you and they dared to do it 
All right. Well, here are some of the things that you also have accomplished. Three wins over top 50 net teams, North Carolina twice and Florida State. Six wins over top 70 net teams that include Wake Forest, Clemson twice, Boston College. A pair of season sweeps against Clemson and North Carolina. And the same number of ACC wins as three other teams, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. And you're riding a three-game winning streak going into the ACC tournament. We're on the NCAA committee because those numbers sound—they sound really good, you know. And yeah. they've been—you know, eight, listen, eight ACC wins, eight is a big deal. That's a incredibly huge deal, especially when you consider there were three or four games we were given that they—they they, they didn't give us a real shot, you know, just because of the schedule. I mean, I, I can tell you that there's other teams that have just been like, no, we're not going to take that game. But you know, we were faithful. We are. There are only three teams in the conference that played. 18 games and we're one of them and so there are a bunch of people that have eight wins or even seven that have a higher winning percentage than us but i'm sorry i think you just look at that win column and you go hey miami you're right there in fifth place you know sorry but that's the way it looks to me because we lace them up and we we we're squeezing in games just to play and that shouldn't penalize us so i i'm, I'm awfully proud eight, eight, we, there are a lot of seasons we'd love eight acc wins around here you do know that I have one orange eye and one green eye, right? So, so as I look at it, and uh, and if, if, if this was a blind resume, they would probably say, "Oh, yeah, that's uh, one of the blue bloods." Oh, look at look at that. Plus, they would add on all the other obstacles uh, that you've had. So, uh, I, I can see why you're very proud of it, and I think they should look at it as. Uh, as they would any other team, and add on some of those obstacles that that you've had during the course of the season. Really, they were, playing less games um, got you a higher uh, supposed seed, um, and I'm not crying in my soup about it. But I, I think it should be recognized and spoken about because um, you know there, you know, if you just saw a tough game on your schedule and had someone in contact tracing or something within your program, and you didn't play the game. You know, versus us saying, well, you know what, we've got the numbers and it's like our men. We're here. We're going to lace up. We're going to show up. There's plenty of reasons, but we're going to keep doing it. And um, so, but I just kept saying, let's just keep, if there's an opportunity to play a game, we're going to play it. If there's an opportunity to get a win, we're going to get it. And if we don't, we're not going to regret it, but we're going to show up. And that's what we've done. And you've had some uh, tough, excruciating losses. Put 76 points on Louisville, the most scored by a Louisville opponent this season. Came back from 11 down to start the fourth quarter. One possession game, a a shot that I think kind of rimmed out against Wake Forest. So you've been right there in a couple of other games as well. And I mean, I think that's one thing I'm proud of. If we'd lost a close game, we were coming back. You know, we were down and we came back. But any game that was, you know, even like throughout the fourth, we'd actually won. And so we had opportunities late to, like, maybe win the game, maybe steal a game. But the ones that we were in on, you know, I think we closed the door pretty well. So we generated a lot of opportunities for ourselves. And there were a couple games that we, you know, we really had some stuff going against us and didn't compete. But there was only a couple. And the rest of the rest of the games um, were there. And, you know, if we had our regular non-conference schedule, right, would we be looking at a 20-win season right now? Yeah. yeah. I mean, would we? Because if you just think about that, we only had three non-conference games. Normally, we play thirteen. So there you go. You know. So I mean, there's just there's a lot of a lot of good has happened this year, and um, we've really overcome a lot. And I'm really proud of these young ladies, and I'm really, really, really proud of my staff. Wow, what an effort they put forth this year! Just this unbelievable. Showed up every day with positive attitudes and ready to go to work. 
Okay, Thursday night, 6 o'clock, you're going to take on Virginia Tech. You played them once earlier uh, in the season a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what do you have to do differently in this game against Virginia Tech? Because they're a great offensive team. Um, and, <clears throat> it, you know, they score the same points around whether they win or lose. They're so good. They're really hard to – you can't say, well, just hold them under 60. Like, they're incredible. they got three – big uh, three-headed monster they can score and in every which way they they hit guarded shots um so when when it's the it's it's whether or not it, it's your shooting percentage numbers that really determines whether they win or lose is did, did you were you hitting tough shots against virginia tech you got to play defense you got to make sure they don't get an astronomical offensive number but you also have to run some crisp offense because at some point if, if you're playing great d and they're still hitting shots and you got to answer and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, if you win that game, you get North Carolina State, and certainly uh, two wins there, a win there would put you in the tournament. I mean, if you want an opportunity, Miami, here it is. It's right here on the platter for you. And I think um, the NC State game's that one that we – it was the day you're supposed to go home for Christmas break and we're supposed to be playing at Louisville, and then we find out 24 hours before the game, no, you're not playing the number one team in the country, you're playing number two. And, and then you're going home for Christmas right after the game. So we were not where we needed to be the first time we played NC State. And, uh, you know, if we, if we do get a chance for that, um, you know, it, we're a different team. But that Virginia, Tech, that Virginia Tech team is an NCAA team anyway. And if we, down the stretch, beat another team that has been told, you know, has been a bubble or NCAA or whatever, and we just keep beating those teams, then you've got to put Miami in that spot. No question. Um, you go into this game, you got three uh, Hurricanes are scoring in double figures. Uh, does that make you tougher to guard? And what are you seeing from defenses to try to slow you down? Having to change up their defenses, they're going to have to switch. If they stay in one defense the whole game, we're going to figure it out. You know, and that's where I think the veteran plays come in into play. Um, and it's been impressive. Um, you know, we struggled against the zone in our last outing, and we work on that. We go to Clemson. Every time Clemson played in the zone, we ran a clean set and got a great basket. Whether it made it or not, it was just incredibly well executed. And so, you know, we're not the team that you just say, okay, well, you zone Miami and, you know, whatever. you got to – we're going to figure it out. So uh, that's what we've been seeing, a lot of adjustments by the other team, which is nice. That's uh, a compliment to my kids. Uh, you are going to have some fans, a limited number of fans. Uh, they're going to allow them in North Carolina at the ACC tournament. Uh, does that add to maybe some of the excitement this year, finally getting to the finish line, and now you'll be able to have some fans? Clemson had a, a, a little bit of fans, too, and, you know, you kind of heard them, and it, it, it actually does get your players' attention late game. It's, it's, it's So uh, we miss the fans, we miss you guys, and right. can't wait to have you back. Uh, it's probably a little bit jarring, right? Like, oh, this is what we forgot. This is what we, we didn't have the fans all year. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, in the road games, you like when you hear the fans, but the best is when they're quiet because you just hit a big shot. And that's what happened last night. They hit a huge three and, and uh, celebrated. The crowd was going crazy, and Carla came down and just knocked one down and shut them up. So uh, that was fun, too. Uh, you have had, I, I, I just think, uh, and we've talked about this all year long, uh, considering the circumstances, I think you've had one heck of a season. I don't know if you consider it, you know, best coaching job, great coaching job, where it would be in your career, but probably probably one of the more difficult coaching jobs. 1,000% yes. It, it took a lot more than just watching film, you know, and coming up with a game plan. That was maybe 10% of what was required from uh, the leadership, uh, maybe 10%. 
and 90% was a lot of other stuff. And uh, so when you when we just got to play basketball, when you got to the point where it was just time to actually play basketball, it was just fun. But there was a lot of, lot of stuff behind the scenes and a lot, you know, everybody. That's why I say the administration, everybody um, just chipping in and helping. Any support we could get, we took because uh, there was a lot on your plate this year for everyone. Well, your flexible attitude is probably one a lot of people should adopt right about now. Uh, you and your team are to be commended. Thank you for joining us here on the show, and the very, very best of luck uh, against Virginia Tech at the ACC tournament on Thursday. Beat them, and then go get North Carolina State. What? It's it's fun to be streaking in, in, in late season. I mean, that's fun. So let's go, and it's it's new month. So uh, let's keep the momentum. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Baseball America has the University of Miami ranked 6th. Perfect game has the Canes ranked seventh. Collegiate baseball has the Canes ranked ninth. So Miami in this week's rankings between six and nine. Joining us, head coach Gino Damari. Gino, good evening to you. Uh, good evening, Joe. How you doing? Very good. Thank you. Uh, interesting weekend. Tough weekend against Virginia Tech. You have North Carolina State coming up. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Hokies took two out of three. They won the rubber game on Sunday. It just seemed like they kept coming after you no matter what. Yeah, that was kind of the story of the game. Um, you know, they have the term shut down innings, which means in baseball, after you score, you need to come right out and shut them down. And uh, there was three consecutive innings there where we would score and they would answer right back. We would put up, I think we put up two runs in the bottom of the first, which we did a good job every game in the series. We I think we scored in the first inning every game, but they answered with a run in the top of the second. And we'd score a couple more uh, as the game went on and they answered with a few and then we scored two more and they answered with three. I mean, just, um, they did a great job of answering. We did not do a good job of shutting them down. Um, and uh, be honest with you, a lot of them with, with two outs or ahead in the count, we weren't able to put guys away, leaving balls up too many balls went through our infield. I just wasn't very happy with a lot of ground balls that weren't hit hard, went through the infield. We're still trying to figure our lineup out. Um, I think we had one extra base hit in the entire weekend and that was the wind-dated home run on Sunday by Yo-Yo Morales, which we're, we're a team that's supposed to hit for power. And so, you know, we're uh, you mentioned those rankings, and right now, to tell you the truth, we're very fortunate to be in the top ten in, in these, some of these polls with how we've played because we have really not played up to our potential. And so um, we talked about that today, and we we got to do a better job in a lot of phases because we're a better team than what we've shown. Last week, we talked on this show about the emotion in college baseball. It's become very demonstrative. Do you think that it was hard to match Virginia Tech's emotion after you guys had a very intense series with the Florida Gators? Personally, I don't. You know, I, I, I can't speak for what's going on inside, inside the, the, the kids. But, no, I, I, I didn't feel that way. I thought our guys – because we dealt with this last year, Joe, with Florida and us and one and two, and they came in and what they did with us at our park last year. And we talked about not letting this thing get bigger than what it was. And although there was a lot of hoopla, a lot of 
social media uh, attention after we went to Gainesville and won the series. Um, I felt like the players were still locked in focus. The practice was good the following week. We talked about it a uh, number of times of how it doesn't – it's a long season. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, some of these rankings, go, you know, we don't play to three games. And so I think this part – we didn't play very well. Virginia Tech, I thought, <clears throat> is one of the better teams they've had. They're probably better than what uh, some of these so-called experts think. I think they're ranked now in some of the polls. Um, I thought they played well. I thought they pitched well, and uh, they got some guys who can swing the bat in the lineup. Uh, but at the end of the day, we got to take care of ourselves. We've got to do a better job of playing the game the way that I know we can play. And, again, we're still trying to find that, that, that lineup and get that consistency uh, some of our power guys are not swinging the way, you know, they're capable of. And um, we got to get some guys that can run a little bit. We're not stealing bases. We, we we didn't do a very good job of that. We haven't base run very well at all. So there's a lot of phases that we have not played well. And it's, it is concerning. Uh, it's early in the season, but it's concerning because we got to get this thing figured out quickly because we're in the ACC now. You're playing mostly ACC opponents. And the ACC – is extremely competitive. If you saw the scores over the weekends, there was upsets all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say two more things about Virginia Tech before we move on, but you did bring up yeah. one other. Uh, so I'll start with this. The, the base running hurts you Friday night. Uh, yeah. Guys being too aggressive or a year layoff, not thinking about, you know, baseball is always a game in your mind. you got to be thinking ahead, where's the ball going to be? Or defensively, where am I going with the ball? But some of those base running mistakes probably hurt you a little bit on Friday. They they did absolutely did. Um, I, I just going back to that game. I know we had I think three different instances where we ran ourselves into outs. Uh, four actually, we had four, could have been four. We got could picked been, yeah. one time, but they they threw it away. So really, could have been four outs that we made on the bases. And so, yeah, you know, it's uh, obviously something that we got to do a better job of. But again, you know, it's that's one of those things. We're, we're not swinging for power, and we're not scoring runs. We got to find other ways to do that, and so you're trying to be maybe a little bit overly aggressive on the bases, trying to make something happen that's not there, and that that can happen. Uh, and so, you know, I'd like to I'd like to think that if we started swinging the bats the way we're capable of, you know, that takes pressure off guys trying to do too much on the bases. But we've got to have a balance. I told the guys today, look, if we have no identity right now as an offense, we're not really sure what we are because we're not hitting for power, we're not hitting for average, and we're not running the bases good. And, you know, we want to be a balanced lineup. We want to have guys that can run in certain places in the lineup but run smart. We want to have power, uh, you know, in, in certain parts of the lineup. And um, and we've got to have some uh, balance of left and right-handed hitters. It can't just be all lefties and, and just a couple righties. We're going to need that balance. And uh, so that's something we're still trying to strive for and get. I always admire your analysis because you're very astute and you lay, lay it on the line and, you know, you can't be, uh, you, you said it, trying to find an identity offensively. So that'll be something that we look forward to down the road. I did want to pop this in there real fast in the Sunday game, maybe even the series in general. Sometimes the baseball gods either punish a player when you try to hide them or they smile on a player and put him up, put him up in a position to succeed. And for, for, for Virginia Tech, their number seven or eight hitter, the second baseman, Schobel, had, I think, four RBIs on Sunday, and he just kept putting the ball in play. 
Yeah, he did. He had some big hits for him, and that that was another key element of the series is they got hits when they counted with guys in scoring position. I mean, they only hit, I think, Joe, if I'm not mistaken, 218 or something like that over the three games. And I think we hit 250-something. But it, it, they they didn't hit, but when they got their hits, they counted. They did a better job of hitting guys in scoring position than we did. And they didn't make as many mistakes in the bases either. So, you know, they got the hits when they counted, and those are the most important ones, the clutch ones, when guys are in scoring position. So you got to give them credit for that. Uh, How did you you judge your starting pitching Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? And moving forward, uh, North Carolina State, do you you stay with the same rotation? I thought your starting pitching was pretty darn good. It was. Yeah, the starting pitching was very good. You know, Friday, Fed had two innings. Two innings that got him, but outside of that, he threw excellent. Um, so we need to minimize those, just having these hiccups with the bad inning or two. But, he, you know, I thought he threw solid. Uh, Rosario was lights out. I mean, I'm sure you saw the game. Yeah, Saturday yeah. was just, he did the game. He's He was, uh, that was about as impressive as a start as you're going to see there. And, and, um, and of course, our bullpen guys came in late there and uh, did a good job. And then, yeah, I mean, you know what? Maderos did not have his stuff on Sunday, so I was impressed with how he overcame the fact that he didn't have his best stuff. The ball wasn't coming out of his hand as, as well as it was in, uh, at, in Gainesville, and um, he was behind on some guys, but he competed, he battled, he fought through it, and, you know, he was a- able almost to get to six innings, he's five and two-thirds, but I thought he did a good job considering he did not have his best stuff. Unfortunately, our bullpen just didn't do a very good job on Sunday, and that's yeah. that was kind of the that was the killer right there. Yeah, because if you, if you look at your starters, uh, the strikeout to walk ratio for the three starters is really good. I mean, look at Fetterman's giving up one walk, fourteen strikeouts, one walk. Maderos, ten strikeouts, one walk. Uh, eventually, as that plays out, you should uh, those guys those numbers would keep you in a lot of ball games. Yeah, absolutely. No, the walks to strike out for the entire team has been good, but obviously those three guys are a big key element of what you get of that stat. But no, I mean, uh, you know, it, at the end of the day, we just, you know, the, the bullpen wasn't there. It just uh, didn't have it, and we felt like we had it to the right guys at the right time. And um, you know, we had the leads, but like I said, when we got the lead, they let them back in, and they did a good job with that. But We've got to do a better job. If we're up late like we were, uh, you know, on Sunday, you know, we got to finish those games out. We got to close them out. Uh, moving forward, and you saw a steady diet of left-handed pitching from Virginia Tech. Would you expect the same from North Carolina State this weekend, or is that just more of the makeup of the Hokie pitching staff? I think it's probably well. You know, again, you're going to have more guys on these rosters now. The teams are, yeah. you know, got more players now. Albeit Virginia Tech can only be with 27 down here. And when we do go on the when we do go play, uh, we're on the road. Uh, you can't play with more than 35 players. That is the the rule here this year. So um, NC State will last weekend through uh, two lefties. I think they're uh, Friday and Sunday guy were lefty guys. So. Um, unless they change the rotation, we haven't gotten it yet, but they might stay with that possibly. Um, you know, it's interesting looking at all our numbers over the six games. We're actually hitting better, about 50 points higher off the of lefties than we are righties. It doesn't yeah. seem like that, but right. you'd be amazed if you look at our stats off the of lefties, we're hitting about 50, 60 points higher. And, uh, but it sure didn't seem like that with, you know, all these guys kind of holding us down over the weekend with all their lefties. So, um, we just got to, 
you know, we, we just got to do a better job all the way around. The lineup's got to give better at bats. We got to, you know, one through nine, we've got some veteran guys that need to get it going. And yes, it's only six games, but this thing will get up on you quick. Before you know it, we'll be at 10 games. We play three this weekend and then we play FAU Tuesday. And there's no easy ones here. It's it's going to be a battle. I just saw Louisville lost five to two to Moorhead State, I think today. Yeah. And so uh, you know, it's every game is going to be a battle. Yeah, North Carolina State they got off to a, a good start hitting the ball. Then they got stymied by Georgia Tech, and then I think they yeah. scored a million runs today. Yes. <laughs> You're exactly right. Yeah. So let's hope they got all the hits out of them today. Yeah. That's what my father used to say. Save a few of those runs for another game. Yeah, right. Oh, man. Uh, I'll tell you who did who did jump out for you, and uh, and again it's early, it's six games, but yeah, uh, Morales uh, at the plate is is pretty impressive. Yeah, he is. He's uh, he's got a lot of length to him. You know, he's six four. He's uh, just a long limb guy that can he gets to a lot of balls. I mean, the home run that he hit was, I mean, a ball up out of the zone that he was able to get it up in the air. Of course, the wind was blowing out, but just to get to that pitch, the guy's throwing. That guy was throwing pretty hard. I mean, he that guy was uh, revved up in the first day. Oh, yes, he for, was. Uh, yeah. yeah, Virginia Tech. Yeah, and he was throwing hard, and and he was able to get to that ball that was uh, about chest level. But he's able to get to if you see. He's able to get the pitches down and away. He hits the low pitch as well. He hits high pitch as well. He can get to a lot of balls, which uh, makes him very dangerous. And it, the bat speed's there. It's 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 uh, it's a very high level bat speed. He's able to hit the ball with power all over the place. And again, another guy. I've said this before, but he just plays the game with so much confidence. You, know, you wish all the players just had that kind of the confidence that he has, where he just never looks defeated. And um, I mean, he's. Really, with two strikes, he's, he's, he's at his best with two strikes. And uh, he's been great for us. He's been, by far and away, our most consistent hitter, there's no doubt. I mean, Delhi, Christian Del Castillo has also been very good for us as well. Those two guys have been just uh, just outstanding offensively. Yeah, you had a Del Castillo uh, knocking a lot of runs. It's Christian. Not not that Adrian is yeah. not, but, but yeah. Christian has uh, eight RBIs right now. Yeah, and they seem to be all in big, big moments. Yeah. You know, he's, he's coming up with two outs, I think, in Gainesville. He did the same thing where he knocked in a few guys and a big hit, knocked in some runs. And, of course, on Sunday, those were big. That was a big hit to put us ahead. I believe we were tied at the time, and he gave us the two uh, two RBIs there. And so, yeah, he's just a battler. He competes and uh, never kind of gives in to the pitcher. He's just uh, one of those guys that we feel very fortunate to have on our team and of course, his brother Dell is doing. Dell's swinging okay, but not to his standards. He's, you know, he's just missing a lot of pitches. He's getting some good swings, and uh, he's fouling off a lot of pitches, which I can remember just thinking back to some great hitters we've had over the years here that were just missing, just missing. Ryan Braun comes to mind, and like, gee, it, it just it, all of a sudden it clicked, and, and out of nowhere they just started squaring up balls. And I, I'm hoping that's going to happen with Dell here soon because he is just missing a ton of balls if you watch where he's just fouling them off and I think it's just a matter of time. By the way, there there were some spots I thought in your bullpen. Uh, Palmquist looked good and then I know yeah. uh, Wagner struggled a little bit and, and so did J.P. Gates, but then you brought this kid Smith in and uh, <laughs> he can bring it pretty good. He's got a good arm. He, he came in highly touted uh, as one of the top JUCO uh, transfers to show up on campus and so 
Jake's got an excellent arm. The pro guys are very high on him, and he's thrown uh, solidly. And I think, you know, in Gainesville, okay. And then he threw a little better, you know, uh, over the weekend there on Sunday. And so he'll get he'll get more opportunities if he pitches like that. And we're hoping he just gets better and better because he's a guy coming in that we had very, very high expectations. We thought he was going to be in our weekend rotation. So uh, we need, obviously, guys to step up in the pen um, and, uh, you know, do a good job for us. So he, he, I was happy to see how he did on Sunday. All right. Well, the very best of luck against North Carolina State. Three against State, then you come home against FAU. By the way, it works out perfect. You're playing on Tuesday, and our show is on Monday, so we get to bother you again. <laughs> perfect. Love it. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, Gino. Appreciate it very Thank much. You. All right, Thank best you. of Have luck. Good night. Thank you. Okay. That's Gino Damari. The Kings will take on North Carolina State this weekend. So uh, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks to our uh, producer here tonight. Always doing a great job for us. Stephen, doing a great job. And we will talk to you coming up a little bit later on in the week. But thanks for joining us here tonight. And have a great evening, everybody. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.